Well, our first reading uh, today is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, to the Christians in Galatia, where he summarizes the impact that Jesus made on the world uh, in the simplest and yet the most profound of ways. Some great verses here. So listen to these. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And our gospel reading today is from Luke. And it tells the story of Jesus' parents bringing him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And in the temple, there are two significant encounters with Simeon and Anna, a priest and a prophetess. Luke 2 22 to 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it uh, is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the Chosen One, the King. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, where the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the failing and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 
When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town in Nazareth of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. So I want to reflect a short while on the story of Anna and Simeon, two older people, uh, two devoted, prayerful, committed worshippers, two people hungry and thirsty for God to act, two people who were watching, waiting for the redemption of Israel, the consolation of Israel, aching and longing for change. It's one thing to wait 25 days for Christmas to come. It's another thing to wait nine months for a child to be born. It's one thing to wait four years for the Olympics to come around. And it's yet another thing to wait your whole life hoping and longing for God's saving action in the world. 84 long years. The story of Simeon and Anna is brilliant because we get it. We get how hard it is to wait. How hard it is to keep believing year in and year out that things are going to change, that God is going to act and that he's heard our prayers and that his plan is going to come around. But here are Simeon and Anna, unrelated, but connected by their desire for God to see God change things and connected by the fact that they were both right there on the right day at the right time. There are consequences and there are there are consequ- <laughs> coincidences, I know me, I mean, and then there are coincidences. And here we are, Anna doing what she has done every day, year after year, praying and fasting, devoting herself to worship. And then there is Simeon, prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple on that day. Let's have a think about him for a moment. I wonder what it was like for him. I wonder what it was like to be convicted by God that he was doing something or going to send his anointing king, his Messiah, before he died. And I wonder how the spirit moved upon him to get him to arrive at the temple just at the right time. Tori rightly complains that uh, I don't hear everything that I ought, that I'm not always listening. But Simeon, even in his older age, seems to be listening out for God just perfectly. And it's not just that they are both at the right place at the right time. It's that they both have ears to hear and eyes to see who and what this family really is and who this child really is. Luke tells us that when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary to do under the law, which was to dedicate and consecrate the firstborn child to Yahweh, Simeon took him in his arms and immediately starts praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen the salvation uh, seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, alike to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now this is not a normal prayer that you pray over a child brought to you to be consecrated to God and dedicated to him. 
This is an extraordinary prayer of thanksgiving. Right here is God's salvation, he's saying. Right here is God's light. Right here is God's glory. Of course, the child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It's not the easiest of words to have spoken about your child. It's not the easiest of messages uh, to deliver to a young first time mother. Your child is going to stir things up. Your child is going to lift things up and bring things down. He's going to change things. Although perhaps Mary already knew this in her heart. For these echo the words of her own song. It's not going to be easy, though, and he won't be popular. People will speak against him. He'll be a sign that is spoken against. Little did he know, Simeon, exactly how violent this speaking would be. And then he tells Mary, and a sword will pierce your heart too. Mothers around the world know exactly what this feels like. The umbilical cord of life may be severed at birth, but the cord of connection remains intact for the whole of life. What happens to your child happens to you. When they are hurt, you hurt. When they are joyful, you are joyful. If they suffer, your heart is pierced too. And of course, we know that this was Mary's experience as she looks on at her child held in the arms of an old man, saying these words over her beautiful God-given child. Perhaps she remembered what the angel had said to her. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus, which means saviour. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This may have sounded amazing. He will be king. He will reign But Simeon is filling in the story some more. This special child of yours, he will bring change. And for some, this will be a threat and he will suffer greatly. Well, that would have been enough for one visit on one day at the temple. But then Anna, the devoted worshipper, comes up to the family and starts spontaneously giving thanks to God for the salvation that's on its way. And she's so convinced that she can't help but tell everybody around her about it. She can't keep it in. We don't know exactly what she said, but we know that she couldn't help talking about this child. What a strange day indeed for the family. And of course, Jesus is the center of this story. And Simeon and Anna are both pointing to him in different ways. This child, this vulnerable, humble child will be king. He'll be a savior. He'll be God's anointed. He'll be God's salvation, his light, his glory. 
And of course, the rest of Luke's story, as he tells it out in his gospel, repeats these themes again and again, that Jesus has come to forgive and to heal and to change lives. But Luke is also at pains to point out that suffering will be a central part of this world changing story. Right at the end of his account of Jesus's life, after Jesus's death, after his resurrection, Luke recalls the story of when Jesus meets two disciples on the way to Emmaus. And they are crestfallen as they have seen their Messiah killed, their king crucified, and the light has been snuffed out, the glory shamed in the most grotesque of ways. But the risen Christ comes to them, risen Jesus comes to them and asks them why they are sad. And he explains the story like this. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The whole of Luke's story leads us towards the conflict at the end, the suffering at the end. Jesus had to suffer, he is saying, to redeem Israel. He was the suffering servant spoken of in Isaiah. He was the one on whom the punishment had been laid. By his stripes, we are healed. In a moment, we're going to break bread together. And with millions across the world today, we will recall the story of Jesus in the same actions that we do week in and week out that still speak thousands of years early, later. Broken bread and wine outpoured. Even on his eighth day, it was known that this child was destined to suffer for us, to come to us. Yes, to be Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, but not only that, to suffer for us and to atone for our sins. The letter to the Hebrews puts it like this. For this reason, he had to be made like them or like us fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of everyone. It's only a few days since we celebrated Jesus's birth, but already we are breaking bread and pouring out wine. Why? Because this life was a sacrifice and we remember this sacrifice, this offering of himself on our behalf. Simeon and Anna were right. This child would redeem Israel. This child would have a sword pierce his heart. Neither of them lived to see the story unfold, lived to see him hanging on the tree, this light, this king. But they were right. And like them, we worship, we reflect in awe at the way God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that we might have life, joy, forgiveness, healing, hope.
and peace.